I wanted a happy ending, but I don't know what happy looks like. Does anyone know what happy looks like? Greetings and salutations, and welcome to Hacker Slash. If you're joining us again, welcome back. You don't see gardens like this back in New Jersey, I expect. If this is your first time listening, welcome to the party. We are a horror movie review podcast dedicated to telling you whether a movie is a hack, a total joke, a waste of time, or a slash. Totally killer, pun intended. We believe horror is for everyone, and as such, we're rating these movies with the perspective we've gained from our varying walks of life and the flavors of fear we fancy most. My name is Chris. I'm your friendly neighborhood slasher enthusiast. This week I'm joined by the Superfly Space Guy Mac. I don't believe! The Gore Lover Alexis. Sweetie, I believe you broke my legs. And the Cowardly Creeper Ryan. Well, she's old South. She thinks women still curtsy. We're back at it again with another film voted on by the patrons, but this time things got a little spicy. Before we get down to business, though, we have some follow up. Let's follow up on a movie. Recently, we reviewed the movie Lizzie. We asked our listeners, your listeners, what do you think about this movie? 50% of them hacked it and 50% of them slashed it. That's two weeks in a row where we have a 50-50 vote and it feels suspicious. It does. Yeah, it does seem like that. Well, we do have a comment from one of our patrons, Jake, who said, I feel so bad to say this, but I turned Lizzie off after 40 minutes. I did eventually finish it. This isn't a horror film. This is coming from a huge fan of Chloe Savigny and Slowburn. Maybe I watched it on a bad night, but it feels like one of those movies where I think the context that surrounds the subject matter is more interesting than the movie itself. If you want to watch a movie that will haunt you, watch Beautiful Creatures from 1994 with Kate Winslet. That, to me, is a far more interesting and captivating film. And that's also a true story. I'm glad you guys enjoyed Lizzie, but I can't slash this. Yeah, we actually universally slashed Lizzie, so if this feels like a good representation of who else is out there. We also want to say thank you to our new patron, Mark, for joining our beautiful family of patrons, and we hope to hear from you soon in our Discord. And that's our follow-up. Well, thank you for being one of our newest patrons, Mark, and I'm so glad that you get to join us in the nomination and voting process for our monthly slasher picks. Now, this month we had an unprecedented turn of events in our monthly voting, and two of our four nominated films ended the voting period in a deadlock tie. Now, there was no way that we were going to swing covering two films in one week with our current schedule, so we had to hold our first ever sudden death vote, where the two movies would rematch head-to-head with no additional competitors for a 24-hour voting period. Two films, Cube from 1997 and The Skeleton Key from 2005, entered the sudden death vote. 24 hours later, only one emerged. And this week, after winning 52% of the vote, we're talking about The Skeleton Key. This movie was originally nominated by and heavily campaigned for for months by Tony. Tony said, a great movie with a great twist. I had no idea this movie was going to trick us the way it did. I saw it with my mom and sister several times in the theaters. I can remember this movie getting one thumb up and one thumb down because Roger Ebert didn't understand what happened. Torper even told me he should have asked questions or simply focused to give it another thumbs up. This movie is a slash. Hope we see the team decide whether it's a hack or slash. Well, the time has finally come, Tony. So let's get started. Who's seen this one before? Definitely saw this one. It was out in theaters. But I have to admit, I've never seen it since. So I was trying to figure it out because I feel like I've known about this movie for so long. I think I've seen this at Blockbuster. <laughs> I feel like that's where I know the skeleton key from, but I had not actually watched the movie. This was my third time watching it. Once close to when it came out, once in like the 20 teens, and now we're in the 2020s following it up. That's a lot of times. That's three. Wow. It's a very specific amount of times, especially like a specific amount to actually remember. I feel like if there are some movies that I've seen three times, I probably wouldn't hold on to it that much. So I'm wondering what it says about this movie that you distinctly remember it. 
I've seen this movie several times. I saw it obviously in theaters and then I watched it a few times after that. Not as late as into like the 20 teens or things like that. But I distinctly remember it because I was really feeling Kate Hudson for a while, uh, specifically because she's the daughter of Goldie Hawn. And Goldie Hawn was very popular in our household. We watched several Goldie Hawn movies growing up. And it's one of those movies that I remember having fond feelings about, but I didn't know how it would age, especially now that we've seen movies that take similar mechanics or similar twists or s- take the premise of this movie and stretch it out for an entire runtime instead of baking into the end and it's something where I just didn't know how it would taste all these years later. Well, you know me. I refused to watch a trailer. I did not read a description. The only thing I really knew going in is I I was kind of expecting a haunted house kind of thing, just I think from the images when you search for the movie. But other than that, I went in blind. I try to do as much as I can. And this one's so old that no one really is going to spoil it for me. So it worked well. Yeah. And talking about early 2000s movie, the reaping came to mind for some reason. So I was like, oh, I know exactly what happens in this movie. Then I was like, watch the trailer and realize we weren't watching the same movie. I was like, oh, okay. Now I kind of remember this one. I kind of felt like Chris. I really thought this was going to seem really dated. This is pre-Hurricane Katrina in terms of when it came out. And this is years before we get something like True Blood or some other like Southern Gothic horror themed TV shows and films. And I just knew that this was going to feel hardcore like 2005. Feeling like hardcore 2005 is a great way to summarize what you could expect going into this. And I will say that in 2005, I wasn't in a place where I was so turned off of Southern set movies. Now that I'm in my 30s, I'm really fucking over it. I like this is part of why I was so turned off of The Walking Dead after a while, because I'm like, just give me some fucking like some semblance of geographic diversity. I don't want to just be pitted into the South, probably because I spent so long living in the South that I'm just like, tap me out, take me somewhere else. Uh, give me some some different context for a film. And I will say that this movie was difficult to get through. Not in terms of anything that I think it does particularly wrong, but it it was a sensation this time around where until I started getting into the third act, I was like, all right, Kate Hudson, let's just just hurry it up a bit, right? Was that because of my fever? Maybe. I just struggled a little bit with remembering why I enjoyed this movie so much until we got to the point where I'm like, okay, shit, no, things come together. Yeah. Okay. I remember now. And so I felt like I was just kind of fighting myself the whole time, which is not fair to the movie. Interesting because I felt the complete opposite. You know, I like my 130 run times. Um, this one was uh, about two hours. So I was like, okay, shit, it's pretty long, but you know, the pace on this was really thought out and the actions were flushed out a little bit more too, which I appreciated. And I just thought the mystery that was in this movie is what kept me throughout. I'm like, is this where this movie's going? No, it's going a different direction. So I appreciated that. And I felt like that helped with the pacing of this movie for me. I'm going to go ahead and say it as much as y'all were talking about how is this going to age? This movie doesn't age that bad. This movie doesn't feel like some antiquated 2005 2005 is 17 years ago. That's like a whole almost adult. That person can enlist in the military. This movie does not feel that old. It definitely, there are some scenes where you're like, all right, this is a certain era. And obviously, like visually, it doesn't look up to date. But 
I I feel like the story holds up as far as, you know, from 2005 to today. And the other thing about it is, you know, kind of similar what to what Alexis was saying, it does have this like mystery bit to it. And I think it's important that you guys have seen this and I haven't because I think my experience watching it would be completely different if I already knew what was going on. But since I'm like trying to figure it out the whole time, I, I'm like, I'm in there. I'm, I'm part of this movie. I'm, I was engaged. See, I... I felt really conflicted while watching this. I remembered it as being this like by the numbers Southern Gothic supernatural thriller, but I didn't pay attention in my previous viewings to how it had this completely confused treatment of race in the film. And my general viewing experience this time was kind of, again, by the numbers, but that just kind of like slowly started to irk me as I made it further into the film. Yeah, no, for sure. There are some things that I think can irk you as you get further in, especially looking at the plot line that this movie has and the way it kind of turns things on its head. This movie, though, I will say wasn't as bad as I was expecting in terms of its age. Granted that, Ryan, to your point, right? 17 years, like someone could be a whole fleshed out, almost adult by this point from like as long as this movie has existed in the world. And I think even in terms of its cinematography, it doesn't suffer a lot of the pitfalls that a lot of 2000s, like early 2000s movies suffer from, right? Like I famously dislike so many movies that came out around this time. And even some of the best ones that I've seen have a lot of things aesthetically that I hate. But this movie felt really well-rounded in terms of that visual experience. And I think if not for like the pacing, that was a struggle for me. Overall, it didn't feel like something that was exclusively made in the early 2000s, which is surprising. Yeah, that is surprising. And thinking about how young I was when I watched this movie. I was 15 when I saw it in theaters. And what surprised me the most is that I saw Kate Hudson's side boob in this. And that surprised me so much. I was like, do I not remember this? I can't believe this is in it. I know this is very superficial, but that is an element that surprised me while I watched this. Side boob? <laughs> Are you struck by the scandal of side boob? Like, what's the problem with side boob? No, nothing's wrong with side boob. Are you just impressed that she lost like 60 pounds in between being pregnant and then being in this film and then looks as good as she does? I'm not saying anything's wrong with the side boob. I was just surprised I saw a side boob besides my own side boob when I was 15. It was just a very shocking thing. I saw nudity in this movie. Girl, you were watching way worse shit around this time. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> you're right. I, I had watched... I had watched Rob Zombie by this point. I don't know what I'm talking about. Never mind. Yeah, what the fuck? You talk about, oh my God, House of a Thousand Corpses came out before this. What are you doing? Well, the thing that surprised me was mostly that there was actually really good performances here. I felt like we got some people doing some good work. Uh, but the thing that disappointed me was the thing that irked me, honestly. It was the fact that the story nearly ignores the black people in it, even though it like is centrally focused on a couple of them, you know, minus some tokenism that we get. My biggest surprise is the twist that it takes and what it relates to in my mind. And I don't want to talk about it now because it is a bit spoilery if I if I connect it to another movie that's more modern. But it's not that I didn't expect it. But once we got there, I was like, wow, this is so insert a name here. And I wasn't expecting it at all. It, it was, I don't know. This is a very, I feel like, unique story for its time. It is, but I think the movie that you're thinking of, right, it's taking a slightly similar mechanic, but turning it on its head, because in this one, it almost vilifies it to a certain degree. And it, it's almost like the reclamation. I think the more modern movie that you're thinking about is more like a reclamation of what this movie was trying to do. Agreed. It's a, like, it's a cool twist, right? It's like, whoa, 2005, what the fuck's going on here? But then again, to see it 
A, reclaimed, and then B, done so much better so many decades later, it felt like it, it was a better move that it needed more time and to be made by the right person. This movie was also just not scary either, I think, by like any standard. I'm sorry, 2005 or 2022, like I did not feel that there was any sense of fear. Maybe I wasn't really bought into the well-being of any of the characters and like just didn't really care what happened to any of them. I found it to be a thriller for sure. Like it's it's definitely in the thriller genre. But uh, it just like doesn't it doesn't seem like a scary movie to me. Are movies scary anymore? Yes. Do you get scared on some? Yeah, I feel like I don't. But also, yeah, this movie's not scary. But I want to be scared. I miss being scared. I did not find this movie frightening either. And I think it's because they don't use like cheap things like ghosts, like or spirits in this movie, like they typically do in Bayou movies and Louisiana movies. So I'm glad they didn't explore that per se. Like it wasn't like, let's see a scary spirit or let's see something that let's do a lot of jump scares. Like it didn't give you that sort of frightening factor. But yes, it was butt on the edge of the seat thriller for me. Yeah, I didn't get that excitement at all. I think I got intrigue. I was along for the ride, but I think at no point was I ever really scared because of what the stakes were. This doesn't feel like a movie that sets the stakes particularly well. Like I didn't have a lot of sympathy or compassion. I love the characterization that we get and I like how fleshed out the characters are. I like what gets revealed over time, but this felt like a movie that very easily, I know that we could reduce all fucking horror movies down to this, right? You could have just left 30 minutes ago and not have a movie. <laughs> it felt like that. And and it felt like it suffers from that a little bit in terms of fear. That being said, I do think that this is a wholly different thing for its time. I know we made references to more modern pieces being very similar or doing it better in a lot of different ways. But for being a spooky movie from the early 2000s, wait, you got this? You got like what? White Noise, One Missed Call, The Ring, The Grudge? Nah, this is different. I think it was different compared to the other movies out at the time, but I think it's just a giant bag of cliches. I just don't find it to be that inventive or really that original. I think it was like, hello, uh, insert Southern trope here for an hour and 45 minutes. I will say you are correct in that. This movie for the whole we are set in Louisiana, the, everything rings true for that. But I think the storyline and especially the ending were definitely original. And then I think about the reason I'm overwhelmed or like, just numb to these bayou movies, these spirit and cult is because I've seen so many. Yeah, I, I think it gets original for like the general storyline for its time. I do just want to note that what's not original in this movie are the horrific accents. That's about it. Says the woman who loves to do a Southern accent. One was British. The Southern accent went British. It also went Canadian at some point. It was so far off. So does yours. You could be in this movie. My Southern doesn't go Canadian. They're separate. I will say though that one of the best things about this movie comes down to the way it wraps up and concludes. It's one of those that you kind of think on it for a minute. I think if you've, if you've been along for the ride and you had no trouble engaging or following along, I think it makes it pretty clear at a very good moment. But the way that thing, this thing wraps up for having not been as on the edge of my seat or invested, I found myself thinking, damn, very true. It's a tight wrap up. They give us enough. They don't over, uh, over explain it. They just gave us what we needed. I, I like the ending a lot. I struggle with an ending, whether it's a good ending when I say something good happens or something bad happens. So not being too spoilerly, I wish 
It had a different ending, but I love this ending. Well, I I think the ending is oddly satisfying. I think it's the most memorable part of the movie. I think a lot of people probably know the ending without even remembering the rest of the movie. While satisfying, it is kind of muddled message-wise because, I, you know, like I mentioned earlier, there's some some major issues here with how we're talking about two central characters that we don't even cover in the movie. But uh, I think if you watch it and then 10 years later you think about the film, you're going to think of the ending 100%. Oh, absolutely, because it completely reframes every experience you've had in the movie leading up to that, which is a really cool impact to have. Now, obviously, we've we've had a lot to say here in terms of like our initial impressions, but we'll see how this movie actually fares in its scoring. Before we get there, Alexis, how many people died in this film? We had a total of two deaths in this movie. That we specifically see. That you specifically see, yes. What about the animal report? It's like not vegan friendly, but it's pretty chill. Let's go ahead and make our way to our ratings then. The Skeleton Key from 2005, as voted on by our patrons, nominated by Tony. Was it a hacker slash? I think this movie hits like a good enough standard for me, especially nearly 20 years later. It's a decent enough thriller. It has solid actors, but it just it just missed the mark of being good with its overuse of Southern-related tropes, and its near erasure and total misuse of Black characters. It's kind of a middle-of-the-road, you'll probably be fine with this kind of a film. So I think it gets a slash. Um, maybe not the strongest slash, but a slash. I think I, I look upon it favorably when I think about it. I was actually looking forward to this. I did vote for this in the poll, so I don't know if I'm giving myself away there, but I generally have kind of positive feelings about it, but it is one of those things, like Alexis mentioned, that I wish I could go back and, and change some stuff about. I'll uh, double you on. I do agree with the Southern tropes, for sure. They're filled with that. This movie isn't scary, and it lacks gore. There's only two deaths, and they're not gory at all. But this movie was so entertaining, even if it was two hours long. This movie is so eerie, and I know it's the factors that are the great cast, the story writing, and the cinematography in this. The beauty and eeriness of this house and the surrounding setting really helps build the suspense of this movie. And I feel like it's definitely worth watching, especially love mystery if you love thrillers and a twist ending. So I'm definitely giving this a slash. So you both have said things that I agree with completely, Mac. There absolutely is a mis- misuse of characters and there's like a mishandling of race. There's a mishandling of so many like Southern tropes and stereotypes. This movie's greatest downfall is not in necessarily the team that put it together, but the fact that this was made in 2005. Right. I think if you have Kate Hudson starring in this movie again, if you have anyone else starring in this movie again, you'd get a different movie today that would still be good. However, uh, Alexis, one of the things that you said was, like, was that we had two deaths and they weren't gory at all. I found the two deaths in here to be so harrowing and visceral that I could not get the image out of my mind when I first saw this movie. And then it's one of the only things that brought me back into this like, fuck, I, I forgot how shocking this is to actually see on screen. And it's so painful. And I think for for as much as this movie missteps and mishandles a lot of things, it really kind of grounds you in that pain. And then it kind of that, that moment kind of anchors you into this, like, how do we go forward from here? And then what's really going on? This movie is not as exciting overall as I remember it being, but it's still a really competent movie, even though, Mac, like you said, there are some things that would need to be fixed. Right. There's some things that need to be done better this time around. But overall, it's got a twist ending that I didn't see coming at all when I was a kid. And I was reminded of how solid a twist it was this time around. And for that, it's a slash. Okay, I was not 
anticipating a slash from Chris, obviously. It really seemed like we were going to get a hack here. Honestly, I wasn't expecting where we're at now at all. I find it interesting that you bring up those kills because I actually forgot what I felt until you just said that. And what I felt was what you said. It really grounds you in those in those feelings and it's horrific. But also I felt like it was glossed over a little bit. Like that was a really, really intense moment that we just kind of like kept going from. And I I was not prepared for it, nor was I prepared to move on once we got there. Yeah. And you're exactly right. Being made in 2005 is the downfall. And I don't want to make an excuse for how this movie handles some things because it's 2005, but we do have to address the fact that where we're at now is not where we were at then. And so things are just not right. And it they wouldn't be right today either, but they'd be a little bit closer. However, I really enjoyed this movie. I had such a good time. Me and my roommate sat, had a couple of drinks, watched this. We, I mean, literally the whole time we're like, oh my God, it's this. We're making bets back and forth about like if there's going to be like a monster, a ghost, if it's a real person, if it's a dead person, what's happening in this house. And it was just so good. I felt like, I felt like the thing that really kept me in is the way the story connected. It wasn't just like they were telling me stuff or trying to make me believe something that didn't make sense. It really went one thing to the next thing to the next thing. And we get to the ending and it wraps all up. It's such a a nice bow. And I enjoyed it so much. So this is a good solid slash for me. And I'm so impressed that we're universally slashing this. But this is like I don't know. This is a really good movie for 2005. Okay. It's got to be said. 2005, it was not a good time for life in movies. It was a rough, rough, rough time. And I really enjoyed this one. And with that, the skeleton key from 2005, which has been campaigned for so hard the last few months by our patron Tony, has earned a universal slash. Now, if you were to find this movie streaming online, it would be for purchase or rent. So up to you if you want to pull that trigger but either way join us in the second half so we can break down what we love together we'll see you in a bit think about your carbon footprint break the vicious cycle of good human spirits ending up in a landfill reduce reuse recycle your soul Soul Recycle is a weekly class hosted by your favorite instructors on finding your center, re-energizing your living soul, and preparing you for your transition into an eternity on Earth, now available with an in-home use kit accompanied by virtually hosted sessions. Enter promo code HackerSlash for 7% off your first recycle and free delivery with Soul Recycle. Welcome back, folks. You are now entering the spoiler zone for The Skeleton Key from 2005, as selected by our patrons twice in a sudden death vote, which is under Universal Slash. Now, we have a lot to get to here, but before we get into the specifics of our ratings, we have the matter of gore to attend to. Alexis, what's the gore score for this movie? If you're going by actuality, whether there was blood present or not, it is low. But I do want to have a conversation about the kills in this movie. Chris and Ryan, you both made really good points during your scoring that this movie kind of glosses over these horrific events that occurred during this time. And I think what I appreciated is that these characters did end up getting vengeance on their part, which I think made the story better. I think it's really muddled, right? So because we know that they're persecuted, we know that they're lynched. At the end of the film, then they're also, though, presented as 
the antagonists. Like they're the bad guys here doing this to this poor girl. And so this is where I think the film could have had a clearer message and could have done things a bit better. I also think it's kind of crappy that they really didn't develop those characters at all on screen. There's no flashback scenes. There's nothing. There's like a few like photo glimpses basically is what we get. And I'm not saying I needed 30 minutes, but um, I think if you're going to literally lynch two characters on, on screen, you can't just like talk about the fact that it happened and never mention it again. That, yeah, that in sucks. A, in a short story too. Like it's very short. And yeah, there was even no mention of the parents. And, and I get like the kids too. They had to have that for the twist ending, but still. I just feel like if there were more flashbacks, we would have probably figured it out a little too soon and it would have made the story a little bit more stale. Like part of what was so good about it is that you didn't expect it to be what it was because it didn't, it didn't necessarily give it away. Maybe you didn't expect, but I got full Chucky vibes. Well, there were hints, but like if you are just watching this for the first time and you don't know what's going on, it's not clear what it is. It's a possibility, but it's not clear. Yeah. To be clear, they do say that it's a, it's a ritual right but it's one that he didn't get to learn how to use fully before he was killed so they kind of set you up like maybe that's a path to going down oh no wait he was violently killed here's this whole fucking flashback about it and then you're not really left with the bandwidth or the runway for could this be what's happening you constantly think there's something different that's going on that's also sinister i am confused on one death not really a kill but the elderly the elderly gentleman from the beginning of the movie don't downplay that though because like that would be horrific to see and this is another one i think i can only ask for so much i know that because i don't want a seven hour movie but i feel like they could have gone into more of the stuff that she had to go through right but they like the emotions they said everything they needed to say she's a hospice nurse she yeah. saw this man die she clearly felt bad about it compared to everyone else and left her job for it and then they said he would be proud of you which let us know that her dad died that's all we needed that was everything that uh, what do you want to what biopics on every single character never said i've watched too much tv recently i have not been watching very very many movies aside from movies for the podcast and so i I feel like with all the tv i watch they do get to like explore everything so it's been spoiling me Absolutely. I would argue unnecessarily exploring is sometimes what happens in series that go on for too long. Have you seen The Walking Dead? I have I haven't watched the latest season, but yes, absolutely. Three episodes of Coral. Coral. Get back inside Coral. Coral. Speaking of looking at stuff, my favorite visual about this movie is actually nothing to do with like the characters or anything. It's the scenery. This this whole setting is a vibe, and I know that's why they went for it, but like the South is beautiful when shot the right way. And the house, honestly, is its own character. The house like has its own presence in this film. So I think visually, the setting here was was just killer. Absolutely, like the whole swampy, marshy thing can look really cool, or it can just look really, really gross. And so if you make it cool and spooky and mysterious, like good job. Gross, like it did in Hatchet, I will say, because it was it was it was nasty in Hatchet. Yeah, it was especially also, when they were on the boat. It just looked bad though. At the same time. <laughs> was definitely not in Louisiana. <laughs> so I agree. I love the house shots. They're like super beautiful. They're also creepy. And it's funny because this house is white, but with the shadows casted on this house, there it almost looks gray and or black at, in some scenes. 
And then at the end, you get it and it's like fully lit. So I just love these comparisons. And I, you know, I don't dig deep into the meeting. So I just like the contrast between the two. But I think visually, my favorite scene, my favorite just look was when Kate Hudson was walking through to the attic when Kate Hudson was walking to the attic and you could see her through the keyhole because keyholes are terrifying. They used to be so big you could see a lot of things going on. Now you don't see too much. But my grandparents had an older house in Cleveland and they had like I swear, almost keys like this. They, not typically. The front door did. But inside, you could see in these holes. And it reminds me of like my childhood. And it was creepy. But just to be able to see her walking in to the attic area and seeing her through that keyhole was perfect. Is it just like the Black Christmas vibes? Is that what's doing it? Possibly. So I also have a very specific thing visually that I enjoyed. First off, this movie definitely got me because I have an especially strong wanderlust need to go to New Orleans right now. And so... It's like perfect timing. So I was all in. And like you said, the swamp can be so beautiful. The, the, the South can be beautiful when shot the right way. I had a really small thing that I thought was really interesting. And it is her little red bug driving through because in those scenes, everything is so unsaturated. And I just stole Chris's visual element. <laughs> it was honestly, I felt like someone had to say it because it was just so specific and intentional. And it was this kind of bland environment with this bright red car coming through. And it always stood out every single time you saw it going down the road, every time it pulled up to the house, it was like this very specific element. And it was so cool to see. I really, really enjoyed it. And I really enjoyed what they did with it. Okay. Yes. A thousand times. Also, I'm so furious because it's one of the only things I really wanted to talk about. Uh, however, here's why. A, I love... You think about photography and we think about leading lines and we think about how our eyes move through a frame uh, in whichever direction, right? And here it's a lot of left to right and we have these beautiful patterns of the tree line. And yeah, we have that red bug and it does break up and add so much so much vibrance and life and color to an otherwise dull area that is still beautiful in its own way. So that's cool. Why I particularly loved it was because we talked about earlier, uh, Kate Hudson being the daughter of Goldie Hawn. Goldie Hawn was in a movie in the 70s called Foul Play with Chevy Chase in which he also drove a yellow bug. And there are just so many iconic like sweeping shots in the beginning of that movie with some Barry Manilow music playing. And this moment in this movie sent me back to some good warm and fuzzy feelings. It's not something that this movie should actually get credit for at all. Like I totally get that. However, it was something that was really, really pleasant. Yeah, agreed. It was such a lovely little thing. With that being said, I, I kind of struggle with my favorite scene. I think it's probably when the old man is like crawling across the roof because it's the first time that we get like confirmation that something's wrong. Like, okay, this man is supposed to be paralyzed and is now crawling across a roof to escape. And I think that's like when my alarm bells go off. Obviously, we knew something was going to go wrong, but that was like the first big thing. It was kind of interesting. I did say Ben escaping was so crazy because that's when you're like, okay, I don't know. I thought something was going on. I don't know. I just thought he was just getting old and then realized he was trying to escape and then help me on the sheets was kind of crazy. The ending is my favorite. And I want to clarify the I didn't appreciate that Kate Hudson died when there was like 
there was some transference there. So like I, I wanted a happy ending, but I don't know what happy looks like. Does anyone know what happy looks like? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Now that I'm thinking about this, because I love the vengeance part, the vengeance that they're like, okay, this is this is how we died. We are going to curse your family. And that's what I thought it was at first. But then it looks like it became something else. Like it was more of, hey, we want to stay young. Yeah, they're trying to, they're, they're transferring their souls. They're staying alive. But it was a twist that I wasn't seeing. Like I just thought, you know, she was, I thought Violet was just trying to stay young, you know, drink the well water, like actual Violet. But I, that, but then I realized there were so many clues in the beginning, you know, when Luke is talking to Caroline and Violet comes in, she's like, so you two kids are getting to know each other now. And then he says to her, you're the only woman in my life. And I was like, it, to me, that just went over my head. And then Violet, when she was disappointed that Caroline didn't have a Southern accent, went over my head too. And I picked up on those. I was like, man, it was right in my face the entire time. Yeah, there were so many things. The pictures were the first indicator that like, like, why would you have a picture of the family that you bought the house from 60 years ago, and specifically the kids and then specifically the kids and servants. And there were just a lot of little things. And now that I know it, I love it so much. And I, I think there were enough hints to know that something that had to do with like possession or souls or something was going to happen. But I did not expect this, you know, servant couple is now past their, their souls into several generations of people. And the old man has got this young man inside of him that's like trying to get out and the same thing's going to happen to Kate Hudson. Like there was just so much that I never expected. I, I only dislike the fact that I never got to see Chucky successfully make this happen once. <laughs> this is just, they're living Chucky's dream here. And I want to see it happen. I want to see him win. That's, that's what I do like about the fact that that happened. I mean, it's, it's kind of awesome to get a main character that doesn't make it through that struggles the whole time and still loses. I like it when evil wins sometimes. I, I think that's a great way to end it. And I think it's so memorable. I actually have a, like a least, a, a least favorite scene and it's on the way to this. And it's when Caroline's in the attic, like, trapped in the circle, just screaming, I don't believe. And it's like, you obviously do, though. <laughs> if you say it enough, it will come true. Yeah, that's not that's not working, obviously. Like, you got spooked. You're into this. You totally believe. Um, so just, like, give up. Or, I don't know, push the mirror away as it comes towards you. You know, you talk about that being your least favorite scene. And I... I have a few things that I really enjoyed in terms of scenes and moments and things like that. That one didn't bother me as much, but mine does have to do with the addict. I absolutely love this moment where we she finds the record for the first time and she's kind of in this like race against the clock with Violet uh, hearing something and going to check to see if she was upstairs. And we don't know exactly why it's... Obviously, we know what's a big deal, right? She shouldn't be in there. But again, I want to point out that, you know, this is a movie where had she just had some sense to either mind her business or stay or, or leave 30 minutes before, we wouldn't have a movie. So a lot of the what she's so afraid of doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But you still feel that tension. You still feel that, oh, shit, I've been in this attic. I've been in this little cubby room. I have to get out of here. I drop the record. I have to go get the record. 
I love that fast pace in the moment because I feel like that's the kind of pacing that I needed to stay invested the entire movie that we didn't always get. I will say, though, in terms of least favorite visuals, I would have had a fucking asthma attack at the 30-ish minute mark of this movie with as much fucking dust as in there. I It's something that drives me nuts seeing people in horror movies get significant amounts of dust in their face and not really reacting to it. I wish I had any kind of thing in my body that would allow me to react to dust the way you do, but I die. I wish we could have seen Caroline's best friend like figure it out a little bit more in the end and like kind of kind of try to save the day yeah she did she was a very hands-off on this movie yeah because she was a token black character that's why yes but i just think like i i, I don't disagree with you mac but what i think i don't know there was just a moment at the end where she was like catching on and like it'd be nice to see like a little something you know this movie made me want like a sequel like what do we do next how does she figure it out how does she save the it day was next? get out <laughs> <laughs> yeah so that's the thing that's the this is a the jordan the jordan peele of it all this is the insert the blank this movie is so jordan peele but it's such a good jordan peele you know like he could redo this and make it better i mean i guess sorry i guess get out really is but it's just it's different it's not quite this it's not quite get out no it, it isn't quite get out but it's like if it had the you know 10th installment where it's like or someone redid it and like you know they figured it out they've been doing it for a while now there's like a cult behind all of this. Now everyone can do it. Cause that was the first stage. That was the beginning. I like, how do we do this exactly? Yeah. Well, I think it's exactly what Chris said. The, the get out version of the storyline is kind of the reclaimed version that is has a it has a different feeling about it yeah so that's the thing right so like this movie is on this premise of like okay we can look at who wrote this movie we can talk about the experiences that led into like the writing and the creation of this film etc uh this is a movie about um people who have to survive in different bodies and it's no accident which bodies they are able to live in Right. They're able to live on in in white bodies who can be seen as landowners, things like that. And it adds this really chilling element to the story. Get Out, though, is the reclamation of that mechanic and pointing out the disparity and like how people are objectified. And so it's a similar thing in terms of like putting your consciousness into another body. But it's the inverse, which is why Get Out is so brilliant it's still rough either way you do it no matter the direction it's it's a a rough concept to consider because there's nothing cool about it either way whether it's being done to black people or black people are having to do it just to be able to survive in our society with all of that being said as we go in to talk about characters here i have to reiterate how much i hated all of the accents in this movie (laughs) and it ruined every character almost i mean thankfully kate hudson was not trying to have a southern accent she's from new jersey right but she wasn't she wasn't trying right so she was fine but even i mean violet's accent it was okay sometimes but pretty rough truly that lawyer worst thing I've ever heard in my life. And then it was just really interesting the way they wanted to talk about people's accents and where they're from and everything when all of it was so bad and felt so inauthentic. And it it is what Mac has been talking about the whole time. It is just a gang of tropes and stereotypes and things that we think people in New Orleans would do and sound like and look like. And, it, it, and then like bringing in like the hoodoo and all that stuff is just all, it's just a little... 
a little too on the nose. I would say that the real estate lawyer was so on the nose. I've heard that accent many times for people trying to, including Mac. Uh, <laughs> it sounded like Mac. I don't. I don't know that that's a route I would go because I've I've actually never been to to Louisiana, so I don't know that that's a route I would go if I was trying to get to Louisiana in terms of accent. But I feel like I would definitely go like people who who hunt alligators. That's the like that's the target I would go for voice wise. I like how we get so in depth to Caroline's character in the beginning. And I want to say she has this character arc, but honestly, I can't tell about the end. But I know you just really see, you know, hardworking, caring person she is within the first 15 minutes. And I think that's kind of why I was invested. She is caring, but she did steal from the old man. But they were going to throw stuff anyway. She like took his, you know, keychain and used it. And, you know, she left her job to stand up for something she thought was right that they as people are having their boxes thrown out and their personal belongings like they're like they're nothing. Yeah. So let me tell you how much my sentimental, nostalgic heart loves Caroline as a character in this movie, even though she absolutely should have minded her business at some point, right? At some point, you got to draw the line, Caroline. What are you doing? That's someone who can afford to apparently lose her fucking head. I absolutely love the tragedy. Oh my God, that sounds so bad to say. I love the tragedy that this movie begins with. This really quiet, unassuming moment when she's reading Treasure Island, which serves as a precursor and like foreshadowing for what's going to happen later in the movie. But we have this moment where she's reading to this man the last moments of his life. And how sad that must be to be with someone there in their final moments. And then to see that cold, harsh reality. And to think that it's not that the humans in that facility are any less capable of love or any less capable of compassion, but this is just how they have to guard their heart and continue on to do the work that nobody else on earth wants to do, but they think that they're the best suited to do it. And there's a level of that that is honestly really understandable, but I could never do that. I'm not built that way. Bro, hospice nurse? Next level. I kind of don't understand anything about hospice and how people can deal with it. But to be someone that cares for people who you know they're on the path to death, I don't understand. I It's an inconceivable job to me. Yeah, I I could not. And look, I've said it before. The only thing that I have left to fear is this like crippling march of time and the reality that I'm technically supposed to outlive everyone in my family being the youngest. Right. Like that is just the, the last thing that I have that I'm like, I'm really dreading this one day. Right. And I should be at peace with that. However, this movie and the way that Caroline's entire path is shaped because she went out and had some time to herself and she thought she had a little bit more time with her dad, not knowing that she was losing him. That is emotionally devastating. And I can appreciate how much it has changed her in terms of how far she'll go, how she'll remain convicted in her beliefs. It really adds like this emotional underscoring to the whole movie that carries it throughout its runtime. So even the moments when I was bored, I still cared. The thing that bothers me about her development, though, is that we get that like Alanis Morissette understanding of irony. And it's like, oh, wouldn't it be ironic if she ends up as an old person that's helpless and then dying? But that that kind of bothers me. Yeah, it's a little on the nose. Sure. But... I think the wins that we get in terms of like who her who she is in her heart and her level of humanity, I think that outweighs how heavy handed the irony is. I didn't see the irony until it was pointed out here. I will say, though, that I completely understand having enough of it, right? Like having enough of the coldness of loss and wanting to be a little bit warmer and a little bit more compassionate. 
And how wild it must be as she's sitting in the back of that ambulance, looking into this man's eyes, knowing that he's not the frail old man that she thought he was this entire time. And obviously there's a lot of things that kind of line up towards the third act, right? We get this moment where she is finding law for beginners or like the law for dummies on his desk. And you think, okay, so he's just a fake lawyer, but it's still like a young guy, right? And then you end up realizing what's actually taking place there. It was such a wild moment. And I think the duality of that and the ability to point that out in, in terms of a plot twist and then have you go back and just rediscover these little elements of these characters to the very beginning. Yeah, I would say if you watch this, I mean, I've only seen it once, but even this time it was like a fresh watch for me but i feel like i want to go back and watch it again to pick up on those snippets the one thing that i wish they did and it was the worst part of the movie for me is i wish they had more jill and the jill we had like i just don't need them just talking about stuff at a bar like the bar scenes also were the worst part for me i just don't like don't get it like we know what nightlife is like we don't need a movie to describe it plus like it interrupts the mystery at some points it's building a suspense and then she goes to a club and talks to her friend like to me it'd be more beneficial if she invited the friend and then they went upstairs and discovered or something like that so basically you want the friend from get out exactly we need, we need someone who can say get the hell out of there yes we do I mean, to be fair, she did. She did say yeah, that. <laughs> Several times. Many times. Uh, and she also said that she doesn't believe in something, but she knows better than to fuck around with it, which is the most relatable sentence in the whole fucking movie, honestly. Mm -hmm. So that is related to my least favorite part. And for me, the worst part of this movie. And it is the times where we go in places where basically it's when black people that are native in these areas are being shown as like voodoo people. So mm -hmm. in the gas station and in the, the laundromat, the, in like the shop in the back, both of those scenes for me felt so out of touch compared to the tone of the rest of it. And it felt like we, like it kind of placed them as like others in this scenario when I feel like out in the swamps, they're probably the people who are less other than these white people in this plantation house. Okay. I don't know. It just felt weird to me. It didn't, I didn't enjoy it. I didn't, I didn't really enjoy the way that they approached like the whole voodoo or hoodoo part of it. I mean, I think there's always a really like negative connotation when white people are talking about stuff like that. Even literally me right now talking about it, I think is probably not as cool as it could be, but there's just something about it that's just kind of like leaves a bad taste and I just didn't enjoy it. And I know that that's kind of the point of the movie. It couldn't have been done without those scenes, but I think they could have been done differently. And in general, the whole story could have been done in a more sensitive approach. 100% Ryan, I would agree that's the worst part of the movie. It actually reminds me of Hatchet and what they do with Tony Todd's character. And it's honestly just like, it, it leaves a bad taste in your mouth. And it's something that I think this movie, yeah, were it made now, could have been handled so much better or which, with much more reverence, which obviously like, right, times change. Hopefully people evolve into some measure and we have so much work left to do. I do want to acknowledge, though, that there is something about this movie that I think is a best part. Obviously, I slashed it and talked about the worst part. Ryan, I think you said it beautifully. No need to go further. It is the impression of the understanding of time and time passing and how... Uh, Caroline is dwelling on the time that she didn't have with her father and how in retrospect she 
she thought she had more time to care for him, uh, to do for him what she does for strangers. And there's a moment when Violet says, you think too much about the time you have left. You don't spend it living. And when I tell you that that quote was exactly the amount of therapy I needed this week when I was laid up in bed. <laughs> no, like seriously, I am someone who gets trapped into my own inside my own mind of like, what's going to happen one day? Uh, what is going to happen one day when my mom gets sick and she can't completely care for herself, right? Like what's going to happen uh, with the house? What's going to happen when my father eventually passes away? Am I going to go to his funeral given the whole family situation? Like there are so many things that like for some reason my, my really dumb brain just like will fixate on in the middle of the night. But this quote, and the power of that quote and the power of how this is framed within the context of the story was so fucking good that I found it really cathartic. So props to the movie for that. It's really a Chris Rojas special, like a very specific heartstring to pull on for you. But I'm glad that it did. I try to bring the the YOLO into your life because you are thinking about the future too much. Well, you guys already said my worst part, basically. This movie was just like, hey, let's get a bunch of cliches and tropes and throw them together and see what sticks. I mean, come on. They're like, okay, so we want black people that are magical and mystical. Uh, there's going to be a lynching. Uh, is it voodoo? No, we're going to do hoodoo. Uh, we're going to have this northern white women who don't know nothing about no southern ways um it just kind of seems like somebody was writing their first novel you know and they and they go for basically stuff that they saw in other novels and they're like i could i could do that and i could do that too but like you mentioned we have these characters that are not developed whatsoever uh that are of central importance you know we've even got jill the friend who would have been like a fantastic addition to this movie had we actually gotten a lot more of jill so I just, I feel like this was aiming for good enough. And that's where they failed was aiming for good enough because I think they could have gone further with some depth and it was just like truly shallow. That was the worst part of it. Again, like the movie itself still hits the mark of like being like good enough. Like everyone had a good time. We have a universal slash, but it lacks, it lacks depth and it really lacks some thought in, in a lot of cases. For sure. If you look back at the course of all universal slashes, this is not, I think even in the upper half of the universal slashes. This is truly like a, Hey, were you guys entertained kind of universal slash? Okay, we've seen a lot worse movies that y'all be slashing. Yeah, I'm not saying it's the worst Universal Slash. I stand by mine. Yeah, I'm, I'm saying that in all the Universal Slashes we've had, I think this movie has enough flaws to not be anchored up at the very top of that lineup. So, I mean, I said I said some negative stuff about it, for sure. But that's the thing. It's like, yeah, there's things that need to be fixed, but it still sticks in my memory. The ending is very memorable. I still find it entertaining, although now I find it a, a little bit less entertaining than when I first watched it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if it's on like a... TV in a waiting room or someone's house or something like that. Like, I'm fine. I'll probably tune in. Um, I'm not probably going to go looking for it again. Uh, but that's, that's it for me. I'm probably not going to like actively try to rewatch it. I wanted to watch this movie really bad with my boyfriend, but he only has Netflix on his TV. So th that's the only app. So it was horrible. Yes. So I was like, Oh, I guess I don't have to watch this by myself at my house, but I knew he would love it. So I obviously will probably watch this because I think I hyped it up and I made him watch the trailer. So we're going to have to watch this at some point <laughs> together. Okay. First thing we're going to do here when y'all move in together, you're getting an Apple TV as a housewarming gift because both of you are living a very 
weird life with just like a smart TV with one app on it. Like you just have Amazon and he just has Netflix. No, I have a bunch. I got Hulu. I got Paramount. I got them all. We're going to get you an Apple TV. Everything on the Apple TV is better. It, I don't know how you guys live how you do. Yeah, because I can't tell if it's built into the TV or it's on my fire stick. So I have to toggle between the two. Yeah, you don't need to have that experience at all. <laughs> There's no reason to live that way. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> She's like switching inputs like it's 2004. <laughs> So I've been ready to say it like four times throughout this episode, but I think now that I know what the what the gag is, I know what's happening in this movie, it would be worth rewatching just to, to pick up on even more little things that I missed. But there's so many that I can remember. I know there's got to be a whole bunch more. So I can understand why in 2005, if you saw this in the theater, you might rewatch it a bunch of times. I don't know when I will, but I would, I'm not against it, which is rare. Yeah, I don't know that I care to rewatch this anytime soon. I feel like I had my fill, right? I watched it when it came out. I watched it a few times since then. Enjoyed it now, but I don't want to push my luck with it and keep finding more things to dislike. It's one of those that was a a fine ride. I think it hit me in the exact moment it needed to hit me. I think I needed that quote. I'm going to write down that quote. But beyond that, I think I'm okay. Not seeing this for a very long time, unless it's like a first watch or someone that I'm watching it with truly loves it and wants to experience it again. Now, that being said, I'm sure there is still so much value to gain from this movie. So let's see how Matt can educate us with fact or fiction. Number one, the Devereaux Plantation Swamp had to be added via CGI as the real shooting location, Felicity Plantation, is surrounded by farmland. Yikes. I'm going to go fact. That sucks, but I'm going to go fact. Wait, the whole swamp? (laughs) Yeah. Okay, fiction. The, the farm had a little swamp on it. That's what, I'm, <laughs> that's, the, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying fact. This one is a fact, yes. Two different completely parishes. Completely different parishes, by the way. Like in the backyard where like the little boat was sitting. Yeah. That was, oh my God, yeah. Dang it, I knew that. Number two, John Hurt wanted to perform the stunt of falling off the house, but after each take led to him laughing uncontrollably so the stunt was removed from screen time i feel like he wasn't laughing he was hurt every time he fell he's still old um so i'm gonna say fiction i'm sorry if i don't know who that is i'm gonna say fact because i hope he's an old funny dude and he's just like giggling as he falls this one's a fiction because he did actually want to do the stunt but the stunt team was like uh no that's way too dangerous so yeah they didn't even allow him to try naturally number three kate hudson powered through the script in an hour and was immediately ready to sign on as she herself is superstitious and into the supernatural and mystical fiction i don't know she always you know goldie hans her mom and i feel like they're both very spiritual people so i'm going to say after all of that fact it is indeed a fact. Yikes. Yikes. Number four, Caroline hits up the gas station where she gets pretty creeped out looking for help and nearly walks into a mobile built with real squirrel bones. Fiction. All those bones were the same shape and I was very confused. Maybe it were all red bones. I don't know. They looked a little too big to be squirrel bones. Fiction. It is a fiction, but it's kind of funny that you said they looked a little bit too big. That's because they were raccoon eggplant emoji bones. That's right. Raccoon penises. <laughs> Sorry, why? Who do, Who collects those? Someone's got to. Where are they going to put them all? Reduce, reuse, recycle. And number five, some of the scenes with Gina Rollins had to be shot in California because she broke her ankle on set in Louisiana. You can't get to Louisiana with a hurt ankle. I don't know. I'll go fact. I feel like I'm going to get a gift after getting all these right tonight, but um, prize? Uh, fiction. I don't know. This is indeed a fact. No gift for you. Darn it. And this has been Fact or Fiction. Well, there you have it, folks. The Skeleton Key from 2005, as selected by our patrons, has earned a universal slash. 
Now, we've certainly had a lot to talk about here, but it doesn't end here by any means. We want to know what you think. Obviously, this movie is not without its flaws, so where do you stand? Let us know. You can join in on the conversation by hanging out with us for free over in our Discord. You can click the link in our show notes to sign up. If you've enjoyed listening to this episode, consider becoming one of our patrons. Visit patreon.com slash hacker slash to enjoy more of the show with early access, extended episodes, bonus content, and live shows. We'll see you next time, folks. And remember, you think too much about the time you have left. You don't spend it living. Bye. Bye.